from the sports desks of the Topeka Capital Journal, the Salina Journal, the Hutchinson News, and all of Gannett, Kansas. This is the Gannett, Kansas Sports Podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome on into the Gannett, Kansas Sports Podcast. Hosted by me, Billy Watson of the Hutchinson News, and Dylan Sherwood of the Salina Journal, and Seth Kinker of the Topeka Capital Journal. And Seth's words, we're excited to spew our nonsense, not only print, but now audio. Joining us today are two guests on the podcast today from the Parsons Sun and Chanute Tribute, Sean Fry, and from Sports in Kansas, Chet Couplin. What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in today and uh, listening and joining us to talk about state basketball. Let's do it. I'm excited. Favorite to- time. Yep. Favorite time of the year. Hell yeah. It's just yep. Christmas all over again. Lots of stuff to get to. I know we got some time priorities or to get to. to. Um, but let's get it going. You know, five and six A. Let's let's stop with let's start with the top there. A lot of good matchups there. I know Seth is Seth is excited for that one. So we'll get your thoughts real quickly, Seth, to get it going. And everybody just feel free to pitch in and make this conversational as well. But six A boys stacked. Lawrence Free State against Manhattan. Blue Valley Northwest, Shawnee Mission Northwest, Wichita Heights, Olathe North, Dodge City, Olathe West on the girls' side, Olathe North, Blue Valley North, Washburn Rural, Dodge City, Derby, Shawnee Mission West, and Topeka High, Blue Valley. A lot of good matchups there. Seth, what are your thoughts on just, uh, you know, heading into this week? Uh, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, I, I said in our, our broadcast uh, leading up to the substates that, you know, Washburn Rural and Topeka High, both on, on the girls' side, the Topeka High being the number three seed and Washburn Rural being the number four seed are both teams that can definitely make a run this year. I mean, uh, Topeka High beat Washburn Rural twice. That's Washburn Rural's only two losses. And then on the flip side, Washburn Rural has two wins over Derby, who's the number two seed at 21 and one, and Shawnee Mission West, uh, who's 18 and four in the number seven seed. And of course, they're, they're going to face each other in the first round. So they're, they're definitely not going to have to see both of those teams. But Washburn Rural has proved their battle tested. Topeka High stumbled a little bit to close to close their season, but again against two ranked teams as well. So um, I'm just kind of excited to see where they are. I mean, Topeka High has been kind of surprising this season to me. Um, they returned, you know, Kiki Smith and Tay Thomas, but they lost uh, Nigel Kennedy, that that Stanford softball commit, and they've still been able to have, you know, their their post players, uh, Deshauna Wiley, as and Carol Face Shields, their front court kind of still step in and prove that you know they're still going to be a contender this year and have proven it all season long being ranked at the top of the 6A standings. Um, at the same time, Washington Rule, um, you know, despite their lack of depth being kind of concerning to me, I've mentioned that in our substate podcast as well. Um, they're just an experienced team. They didn't lose anybody from last year's team. And so now they're just uh, one way the wiser. And although they do have those two losses to T high, um, I think those losses uh, are going to make them learn, if anything. You know, that that first one that they they hosted and lost to Speaker high was a bit surprising. And then that second one, um, at the same time, there's some that's questionable calls down down the stretch that might have uh, flipped flipped the momentum. But uh, loss is a loss. But regardless, I still think um, both of those teams. I'm excited to kind of see them. Uh, I think I'll be here Wednesday uh, to see how they open up their tournaments and uh, kick it off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, let me get to you, Chet, real quick. You just mentioned how uh, I know we're talking about five and six right now, but you follow. You said you follow and have a little bit more knowledge on the smaller schools. Uh, um, in your coverage this year, who have you uh, kind of seen and been impressed with that have made it to this point in the year? And just what have you seen this year that has, uh, again, stuck out? 
Yeah, uh, you know, you look at Class 6A, obviously you're alive at this time of the year. It, it obviously means you're a pretty good team. And, and we can throw out records, and I think records are a bit deceiving on some of these teams. I really look at the Centennial League and, and how strong they've been this year. I think it was a very underrated league. And, and we have some teams that got to the state tournament that I think that a lot of people didn't think that would get to a state tournament this year. So been really uh, impressed with that. Of course, both Dodge City teams uh, punching tickets uh, in Class 6A. And I like how we do it in 4A, 5A, 6A because you guys know as well as I do, in, in 3-2, 1A, 1, and 1A, 2, we saw some matchups up at the state tournament or not the state tournament, the sub-state tournament last week that were, you know, state championship type matchups, uh, final four type of matchups as well. And it's awesome to, to see, you know, some familiar faces up at the state tournament, uh, but, but certainly going to be interesting. I think Lawrence Free State is, is really the team to look at. Uh, I feel like maybe they're the best team in Kansas. I really like Blue Valley Northwest a lot as well and all the star power that they've had over the years. Of course, Christian Brown right now doing big things at KU and, of course, Custer and Richardson a few years ago, Loyola, Chicago. They have so many Division One players, but gone is their coach from last year now to a Kansas City, Missouri school. But you really look at the five Centennial League boy squads that reached state this year. I know three of them, of course, they are in Class 5A, but Manhattan, you know, nobody really talking about them, and, and Manhattan's a team that's been playing good uh, right now. And, you know, to touch on his point about Topeka High, they lose the best player, one of the best five players in the state of Kansas, that's the best softball player in the state of Kansas, and they're still in position to make a deep run here uh, in Class 6A. But uh, we'll see what happens. There's some outstanding players here uh, all the way across. It doesn't matter really what level that you play at. I think if we look at the 3A girls across the state of Kansas, three of the best five players in the entire state of Kansas are on the 3A girls, and one of those girls not even getting up to the state tournament. It was so tough. So definitely going to be an interesting week. And as I said, throw records out, state tournament time. These teams are good. A lot of these teams have played battle-tested schedules. So records, a bit deceiving. Chet, you added in Sean Fryer, Chet, you added, you talked about Manhattan there on the Manhattan boys. How about the run they've had? They're 9-13 and 13 right now, um, and they're going to be playing that number one seed, Free State. This is a Manhattan team that won three games in December and January, but now they've won six of their last nine. They earned their ticket to Substate, and they're going to be a team that's playing with no fear. And I, I have I say time and time again, if you're a top seed, the top one or two seed, you're playing that seven or eight game. Those seven or eight seeds have no fear going up there, and that can be some of the toughest things to overcome is playing a team that does not fear you. And I, I'm interested to see how Free State handles a, a, a Manhattan team that is now starting to believe versus a Free State team that's coming in with the weight of expectation. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you right there. You look at it overall. I mean, at one point, I believe they had five losses in a row two different times. They had lost 10 out of 11 games in a row at one point on the season. So uh, this is a team that has got hot at the right time. But then you start looking at who they've lost to. You know, to, you know, you look at some of the schools that I mentioned, five teams in that league going up to the state tournament. You lose to a Lawrence squad early on in the season. So this is a league I feel like is a bit underrated. I feel like maybe the best player in the state this year comes out of that league. And the kid, I'm speaking West, the Brooks kid. So we're going to see what happens. As I said, throw records out. This team is battle-tested. Uh, seeing Lawrence Free State, it's not going to be anything that they haven't seen. However, the defense of Free State, they have been outstanding. You look up and down, they've only allowed, I believe, 42 points per game uh, this season. They're undefeated against Kansas competition. They lost the Lee Summit back on February 5th. Outside of that, you know, they've been dominating competition for the most part. They've had an overtime win against a Hayes team that, of course, didn't qualify and Speaker Seaman knocked them out in Class 5A, but most of their games, you know, they've been blowouts, but I would not overlook 
uh, this team in any way, shape, or form. Uh, looking at it, to me, you know, maybe I'm biased. But I feel like the, the East is, is just a little bit stronger uh, this year in, in 5A and 6A on the boys' side of things. I like that EKL a lot. I like that Sunflower League a lot. Uh, you know, Wichita League this year is pretty good overall when you throw in Capen and Wichita Heights had a solid year. I just don't know about the teams in Western Kansas and, and the schedule that they played. You look at Dodge City, you know, they lost to campus by two. They lost to Hayes twice this year. Hayes is the team that's been very good over the last three years, but didn't make a state tournament. So I still do question mark some of those teams that are 5A, uh, 6A out West. I just don't think maybe they play quite the quality of schedule that some of these teams play in the Eastern Kansas League, Sunflower League, Wichita League, or for that matter, the Centennial League this year. Chet, this is uh, Seth from the Capital Journal, and I just had a, a, a just kind of a follow up on that for you. You kind of mentioned uh, Elijah Brooks earlier, and you know that's that Speak West team is, is a squad I've seen uh, multiple times this year. And again, I'm I'm brand new to the state. I just took this job in September, so I don't have as much kind of previous knowledge or history, kind of looking back on, on these these past seasons. But to me. Um, obviously, Brooks has been the best scorer in the state. I know that from those uh, release from Keisha the other day. But I, I don't know if there's a more impactful player that I've seen when it comes to the success of their team thus far this season. And kind of looking at that that 5A bracket uh, for the boys' side, um, is there any other team that kind of stands out to you that kind of give and give them? I mean, they made that the 5A state title game last year and fell. So I know they're looking looking to get back there this year. And And to me, I think they have a really good chance to do it this year because Brooks is just – incredible just watching him this year i'm right there with you uh, you know blue valley southwest is, is a very scary team at 15 and 7 because they play in such a good league you know obviously with the ages of the world and everybody in, in class you know 6a blue valley northwest blue valleys blue valley north i mean it's a very good league so it's easy whenever you look to rack up losses as it is in football that's why we've seen some of those teams with you know four or five losses get to a title game even when Mill Valley was in that conference a few years ago before Sunflower, they'd have some losses, mm -hmm. get up to state and, and dominate. Looking at Topeka West, though, you know, they do take on an EKL team, an EKL team that is tested. So that is a scary matchup in round number one. But hands down, the favorite to, to me on paper, of course, you look at Capen and their legendary coach that, of course, for years at Wichita South won several state titles and then went on to Hutch to do big things. He comes into the program an immediate impact in, in Coach Eck and, of course, you have some size in the Division One football recruit that's a junior on this team. You know, I really like where they're at. And then you look at this this Mays team as well. They won state last year. I know that they graduated their top defender that's at, uh, I believe, Illinois State uh, Springfield or one of those schools up there, Division Two school. He graduated from last year. But you have the state's best three-sport athlete, Avery Johnson, on that team. Obviously, we all know about him from football, a top 11 selection, 5A player of the year. He hits over 500 in baseball, and all he does is dunk all over everybody <laughs> in basketball. They throw in the coach's son uh, and the girl kid that's going to Fort Hay State University. They play very good team defense on this Mays team, but they're going to take on a very good battle-tested Highland Park team uh, who has some scores. So this is going to be pretty even, a lot of these. You know, Topeka Seaman playing Capen in round number one. I think it's a little bit deeper than many may think. The favorite on paper, you're absolutely right. To me, it's Topeka West. And, and I think that's the main reason is the Brooks kid. You know, what, 26, 27 points per game, I believe, at last look or whatever that it was. I feel like he is absolutely the best player in the state this year, uh, at least best that I've seen. So we'll see what happens. He was awesome last year. They did graduate a few players that were very good that I got to see in the, the KBCA All-State game. Uh, but these should be some matchups. I mean, we saw Hayes, a team that a lot of people, you know, back-to-back -back Final Fours, ousted by Topeka Seaman. So if that's any indication that the Centennial League is for real, whenever you get 
upset by a Topeka Seaman squad. And then all of a sudden, across the board, you have Seaman, you have Highland Park, you have Topeka West. And then we mentioned Topeka Hayden in Class 4A. And then on top of that, you know, we mentioned in Class 6A, a team qualifying as well. So uh, Manhattan. So it, it's going to be very deep, very interesting. But on paper, Topeka West, uh, definitely the favorite uh, to me. Just one slip up. Other than that, they've been pretty perfect this year. Yeah, it's it's interesting to be looking at, at those two t- t- top two matches in the bracket in five A at, at Mark Carmel and Seaman at one and eight, and then Mays and Highland Park at four and five. Because uh, as you just mentioned, you know Seaman to me has been if they can, and and now that the records are kind of reset at zero and zero, one and done, that's where I think this team has the opportunity to kind of turn some heads. Obviously, they did last week or the other day with that that sub state championship win, but. You know, they had four starters coming back this year, uh, all talented guys who can score the ball, defend. Uh, they're all they got some good length. They got good height on that team. The problem with them that I've seen and kind of leading to their 15 and seven record is they just haven't been able to string anything consistent together. They had Aaron Davis, one of those four starters issues. There's us uh, in the post for them. He'd been out for uh, a good majority of the start of the season with an injury and kind of slowly worked his way back into the lineup. But at the same time, if you look at those other guys, uh, Mateo Hyman, uh, Ty Henry, Caden Bonner. Bonner shoots the lights out from behind the arc. Uh, Ty Henry can kind of get to the rim. Uh, he can kind of do it all. He can score in the mid-range. He can drive it. He can shoot from beyond the arc. Um, Mateo Hyman, as well, is just a guy who's just been able to get to the rim at will as well. And so, like, if they can – I don't know. I really like kind of their chances as well because that, that record's deceiving. That record and that seed are, are very deceiving. And then if you look at – I think that's the matchup I'm most excited to see is that four and five with Mays and Highland Park because – I haven't covered Avery Johnson. I've seen him all during football season, seen the dunks already this year. But um, if you look at Highland Park, you know, their their uh, duo of Ontario Roberts, Strap Roberts, and uh, Catralius Aldridge. Oh, my goodness. Like, we have a group chat between uh, the rest of the Gannett riders here in the state and, uh, you know, Chuck, Chuck from uh, Butler County Times get that and Greg. And I send them, like, it, it, the kids, Bo Aldridge is a walking highlight reel. Like, if he doesn't, he has... Uh, honestly three to four dunks per game that just make my jaw drop but and that's after seeing him multiple times this season and every time every game i'm still like i still come away impressed with his athletic ability you know he's he played on a uh, a high level aau circuit with arkansas all red uh coming into this year and i i'm interested i mean and some of you other guys can tip into what kind of defensively like what can Mays do like are they a straight up man-to-man team do they like to kind of play zone because that's where highland park has kind of run into some trouble and a couple losses to Topeka West uh, with their kind of famous amoeba defense uh, kind of throwing a 3-2 look or a 2-3 zone at you. And that Highland Park is a team that likes to kind of get out and run. Um, so I just kind of wanted to hear you guys' insight on what kind of defensively what Mays is going to try have to be able to do to slow down two guys that can score the ball in a variety of ways in Bo Aldridge and Scrap Roberts. Well, what I oh, saw yeah. against uh, when Hutch played Mays in the very first game of the year, like I said, the very first game of the year back in December, uh, Mays was super long. Obviously, yeah, Avery Johnson and the rest of their crew, I can't name names because I forget, but they're super long. They, they can play zone, they can play tough. And when they get the when they got and out when they get out loose in the floor, they can really run in. And then obviously Avery Johnson uh, makes everything look effortless in a fast break. So that's the one thing I think defensively Mays can do is they can spread you, they can spread you out. They can just stick their arms out in the air and make the passing lanes close up pretty quickly. That's kind of my short intake on Mays. I was shocked. And again, very beginning of the year, I was shocked because Hutchinson uh, lost to them by one. And Hutchinson uh, fell to free state, made it close early in the sub-state final. But uh, that Mays team is going to be pretty tough. They'll Obviously, they play, they're playing and defending a, a state championship. So they got a lot to play for. And that, that's kind of my short spiel on Mays. 
You know, one thing I want to chip in there, too, and I think it can go for any team that's playing at the state tournament at any level, is I'd be really weary of throwing anything out there that you haven't done at least once or twice over the course of the year. Uh, if you're if man to man is your bread and butter, you got to rely on that. And if zone is your bread and butter, you got to rely on that. If you come out with something that you're not new of because you're trying to catch a team off guard, uh, that might work for a couple possessions. But when you get deep into the game and fatigue starts to sit in, and you're trying and execution is what goes out with that. And if you're not executing something that you're not used to anyway, it, you don't have the instinct to rely on that. So uh, I, if if you're if you're most comfortable in man, go man. If you're most comfortable in zone, go zone. I'll share one more tidbit: is that obviously I was a uh, student manager at K State for four years, two years under Frank Martin, two years under Bruce Weber. Bruce Weber had a theory at the time that I like to emulate, and that is zone is for cowards. <laughs> and so uh, I, I'm a man-to-man purist <laughs> when it comes to that. But I also kind of realized over the last two years, I see a lot of high school coaches in this in Kansas, and it's no, not an insult to them or anything, but zone stumps a lot of offenses in this state. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 see the, I see the merit in it. I still say zones for cowards. <laughs> And you just hope that some of these teams, you know, you get up there and I always go back to the, the movie of Hoosiers and they go out there. And of course, from the, the tiny little town that they are and that they measure 10 foot uh, on the rim. And I think sometimes some of these schools specifically uh, in 3A on down, you may not have a school that's not been there in 16 years, 20 years or first time ever. And they're, they're kind of starstruck because they're playing at Ramlich Coliseum or they're playing at the Hutch Sports Arena or playing in a, a bigger venue. I don't know if that's always the case for 5A, 6A because they do play you know, some mid-season tournaments and things like that, whether it's at a bigger arena or venue or whatever it is. Uh, certainly that the atmosphere that's going to be at these is going to be a little bit different. Uh, it, w- it won't be at home. It's not at a high school facility. Uh, but So that, that's always interesting to see uh, teams that haven't been there before or haven't played in those types of venues. I've seen it so many times when teams get up there and the lights, you know, become a little bit bright whenever you're at a 2A state tournament in Manhattan, Kansas, and you're playing in front of, what, 14,000, 15,000, whatever it is there. And they got the curtains behind it. And you're from a, a two-way town that has 110 students in your high school. So right. that's always interesting to see that, how teams, uh, you know, work themselves into to big-time situations and games at a state tournament. Yep, some great insight there on the 6 through 5A brackets. And those those will start Wednesday with Wednesday with the 6A girls and 5A boys at 2, 4, 6, and 8. So there you go. That'll close out this segment. Coming up after the quick break, we'll break down 4 through 3A and below. And just a bunch of good venues there. Hutchinson Sports Arena, one of them will be there. Our writers will also be there as well. So we'll break that down coming up after the break. You're listening to the Connect Kansas Sports Podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to the Gannett Kansas Sports Podcast, which you can currently listen to on the podcast vendor of your choice between Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or you can listen online on the link that we provide on Omni. Seth Kinker, Dylan Sherwood, and Sean Fry, the Parsons Sun and Chanute Tribute with you. We'd like to thank Chet from the sporting from sports in Kansas for joining us today to talk from six and four, six and five. A thing we didn't talk about with six and five. A was Salina Central. And I know Dylan's been holding in on that. So we're going to give him two minutes to talk. Sean's going to start the clock. All right, Dylan. <laughs> let, it, let it loose. Let it loose. Let it What's so, going to so happen? We, so we What's briefly gonna mentioned 6A girls, and Seth brought that up. 
But we didn't talk about 5A girls. The matchup, Salina Central taking on DeSoto. DeSoto coming out of a, of a 5A league in the United Kansas League, 15-7. Uh, and seven. I think it's going to be a tough draw for Salina Central first off because even though they'll have the state, they have the state experience back from last year, uh, they're the number one seed. They're the they're, they're on paper, they're the favorites. But then you look you look at the other side of, of their portion of their bracket. You got Lansing, a 19 and 3 team that's been in the top five and 5A all year. Then you got an Emporia team who's got five losses all from in this in Centennial League. Two to Seaman, or one to Seaman, two to High Park, or uh, no, two to two to Topeka High, and two to uh, Washburn Rule. So that shows you how good of a team they are. They got Gracie Gilpin, who surpassed 1,000 career points against Seaman uh, about a week and a half ago, and and it's uh, that one. And I, I'm looking forward to a Salina Central Emporia matchup so bad. I really want it to happen. I really want it to happen. Then on the other side, you got. St. Thomas Aquinas, who's won the last five, and they're they're going to be taking on Spring Hill, and then you got Bishop Carroll and Andover Central, and that one should be a good one as well. Bishop Carroll has been strong, Andover Central still got Harshaw and Amekleford. They got Ellie Stearns, dude. Those four matchups are going to be really good to watch on Thursday at Wyatorium in Emporia, and I expect a Salina Central Aquinas state championship game because there you go because salina central has two d1s and aquinas only has Chris colton however i don't know who else they still have but i know they lost the skeleton girl who's playing who didn't even play her freshman year at emporia state or played very little at emporia state but aquinas aquinas got has a loss to me age i'll tell you that right now so that's their only loss against the kansas team so we'll see how 5A girls stand up, but Salina Central, first first uh, team in program history to finish the regular season undefeated. Their best finish at state is second, which happened uh, within the last five years. I can't remember. I think it was there. It was six years ago, but uh, yeah, expect Salina Central to uh, contend for a state championship. There you go. Let's get right into four through three, four and three A now. Four uh, A boys really stacked. I think a little bit of everyone is in our area for both boys and girls. Uh, real quickly, Sean, you got that uh, Lebec County team taking on Wamigo in the three six matchup in the primetime slot at the at the Salinas Tony Pizza Tony's Pizza Event Center. So what if we're not gonna? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll cut right in. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'll cut it. No, you're good. Um, go ahead. Let's. I want to. I want to. Uh, I want to do a game with you guys real quick. So if Ooh. you could listen up, and I'll count it down. Ooh. For the boys and the girls class four A state tournament, who do we think is going to win it? In three, two, one. Uh, Bishop Meage. Okay. Uh, it's Bishop Meage. It's going to be Bishop okay, Meage yeah. on both sides, and that touches to another issue about the private school classifications that we're not going to dive too deep into tonight. It's out there. I. I said my piece with it there. You mentioned Willowbeck <laughs> County and the uh, Wamego matchup on the girls' side. That's going to be on Wednesday at 8 p.m. I know everybody at my paper loves that because now we have to go late on deadline that night. But uh, Lebec County and Wamego, the, the first thing I'll say that's interesting about that is those two teams met on the girls' side. They met in the volleyball sub-state final in Altamont here in southeast Kansas uh, in the fall. 
And Labette County was down 21 to 15 in the third set of that match and came back and won it. So there's a lot of, uh, I know there's some girls on that Wamigo team that one of the worst athletic moments, if not the worst athletic moment of their lives happened about four months ago at Labette County's hands. So I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of energized blood in that game. Uh, Labette County is a team that uh, Christy Snyder, their head coach, who's expect who was honored for over 450 career wins uh, this past uh, earlier this year. She's expected to, barring a significant change in circumstances, she's going to retire at season's end. Uh, and she was, and she loves to go deep, deep into her bench. Labette County will play ten players on the uh, on you know on their bench uh, against. Wamigo. They they will go five deep on their bench in addition to their starting five. What they and what they love to do is just press you the whole game, constantly send subs in and out, and that can be tough to defend against sometimes. I know Wamigo's going to have a si- a bit of a size. They're going to be able to match Lebet County's size. Uh, Lebet County's two best players are Madison Brandon, who's kind of your who's kind of a point forward type role a little bit. She doesn't initiate a lot of offense, but she's their best three point shooter. And she's also a great interior player on a Dean who is a star in volleyball this year. Uh, she's their next best player, a, a, a fantastic uh, post presence. Carson Stewart, a guard for Lebette County has been shooting the ball well lately. I think Lebette County, obviously they got the draw they wanted. They avoided because the three and four seeds were tied and the five and six seeds were tied. Uh, so there was a chance that with some of the tiebreakers, they could have drew the age there. But they got the draw they wanted. If you ask any of those coaches, they'll tell you the same thing. So I, I think they're they're energized for that game. You know what? And you're, you're right, because speaking of that, that that tie you were just talking about, I think 4A boys and girls have the most storylines heading into this it's tournament because because with that tie, you know, you got Bueller Mac rematch third time this year. They'll meet Topeka Hayden, the lone uh, sub 500 team. Uh, Andale girls playing, obviously, with the passing of Ted Anderson, their head coach. That would probably mean the world to them if they were able to get to a state championship, obviously. So there's just so many great things happening in that tournament. And one thing I'll obviously be covering is Bueller Mac. Third time they meet. Bueller's won both of those games this year after – um, man, I forget, but man, it's been a great year for Bueller Athletics over McPherson, honestly. Beat them in football, beat them in cross country, obviously, because Bueller went <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. Uh, they beat them in soccer, and then they beat them at the Roundhouse right before the Christmas break. So that's that's just crazy. And then on the on the skipping to three A girls and boys, mm-hmm. no Cheney teams, no Cheney teams oh. in in the in three A. How about that? How about that upset in three A? What was it? Heston that beat uh, yes. Cheney on the girls' yes. side. That was in the semifinals, right, Billy? Yeah, in a semi. A lot, a lot of interesting games. I think in three A. Obviously, you know, I'll, I won't take up that as much time as I did with Lebet County. But the one game on the girls' side that I'll be covering with uh, Class Three A um, is, or at least the team I'll be covering, is the Cherryville girls. They're going to be the eight seed. They'll take our number one seed, Silver Lake. Uh, obviously, Silver Lake will be the on-paper favorites for that. But this is a Cherryville team that hasn't been to the state tournament in 13 years. 2009 was the last trip they made. When they made that trip to the state tournament, uh, their head coach now, Kelsey Overacker, she was a point guard on that team. Uh, and since then, she uh, she's since then she won multiple Jayhawk conference titles at Labette Community College. Uh, for she won one with basketball and won one with softball at that school. 
then she goes on. She was a St. Mary's Colgan softball coach for four years where she went to state multiple times um, and then eventually makes her way back to Cherryville, takes the girls' basketball job, and takes a team that hadn't won, that had won, I believe, four or five games the year prior, and she's won over a dozen games every year. She's been there, been to three sub-state championships, and they finally punched their ticket this year. They're playing with a lot of energy right now. They have a couple good players, and uh, Jaylee Reister, a sophomore point guard who may have the best vision of any player that I cover in girls' basketball in my coverage area right now. And uh, Kelsey Lance, a junior guard uh, who, who can score in a variety of ways. Uh, they'll have to have a very, very special game to beat Silver Lake, uh, but I know they're playing with just a ton of energy right now. Sean, what are your kind of keys to that that matchup? Because uh, on, on my side, for the, the Capital Journal, Silver Lake will be the one. Uh, I, I'm looking at the Hayden boys too, and in, in, in 4A. But as far as 3A goes, uh, Silver Lake is going to be the the lone school I'm kind of be going to be covering there. Um, and mm-hmm. seeing them a couple times this year, uh, watching their their turnaround again. I'm, I'm new to the state, but I know that they hadn't had a winning record. Um, last year was their first winning season since uh, 2016 when they won the state title. They have uh, the second year coach there, and Kyle Porter, who's had some success in the state already. Um, and just to kind of see their their turnaround, their, their the build the buildup of um, the success they had last year, um, and then get building on it this year, uh, you know, earning that number one rank late in the season, um, that seems kind of just impressed me from uh, the ability to have anyone kind of be the guy, if that makes sense. Uh, they have uh, a post player in Mackenzie McDaniel who can kind of do it all. She's a, a double double machine. She kind of cleans up the boards for them, but at the same time, the attention she garners opens up opportunities for one of their other forwards, Taylor Ross. She gets a lot of easy looks. Um, she kind of does the dirty work, just constant screens and things like that. But then she gets easy opportunities because so many doubles get sent towards McDaniel's way where players have to focus on her so much that she gets clean up baskets and on the perimeter. They have kind of three guards that are all um, related cousins in, in some way or another um, that are, are just, uh, you know, it, it's they're kind of interchangeable. They all can kind of, they can all handle the ball. They can all shoot and they can all play defense. So, to me, I just kind of wanted to hear your, your keys. Obviously, as you mentioned, it's a one and eight seed. So Cherryville is going to have to be on top of their game. But you mentioned kind of some of those players. What do you think Cherryville is going to have to do in order to, if they want to pull off the upset? I think, uh, obviously, the biggest thing, the biggest mismatch of that is uh, what was their post player's full name? Mackenzie something for Silver Lake? Mackenzie McDaniel. Yes. Mackenzie McDaniel. That is the big mismatch that Silver Lake will want to exploit. Uh, Cherryville is undersized. And I mean, even in their sub-state championship game against uh, Neodice, uh, I don't think they ever had any of, I think the two or three biggest girls on the floor were always for Neodice, no matter who was in or out. Uh, Cherryville does a good job of gang rebounding. Kelsey Lance, one of their junior guards, she probably, I think she had a double-double in their sub-state championship. She loves to fly in from the perimeter down the baseline and try and scoop some of those rebounds. Cherryville does a good job of, of kind of getting their hands on it, but they don't have a true answer for Mackenzie McDaniel in there. And even talking with Coach Kelsey Overacker, that is the matchup she feared the most. I think guard for guard, they'll be fine. That might be a wash. I think Jaylee Reister... Uh, can is, is a great she, she's an irritant defensively and she's almost plays the same exact way offensively and uh, she can create off the dribble so can Kelsey Lance but it, it'll come down to is can Cherryville do enough defensively scheme enough uh, to take away Mac, uh, Mackenzie McDaniel I think that is the on paper matchup that determines the outcome of the game okay um, and then Billy and Dylan, I wanted to ask you guys as well, kind of looking at a couple of the other teams in, in 4A for you guys on the girls' side, you know, Southeast of Selene at the fifth seed and Nickerson at uh, the, the, the two seed. Uh, where do you guys kind of see their, their journeys? Uh, Southeast of Selene playing number four seed Goodland uh, in the first round matchup on Thursday and then Nick, Nickerson taking on Frontenac uh, right after that. 
What do you guys? What do you guys? Seth, real quick. Seth, real quick. In the boys' four A tournament, you watch Hayden go beat Eudora. That's yeah. that's my upset pick. Go watch Hayden beat Eudora. Okay, so Seth. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to guarantee it like I've done. Oh boy. But <laughs> oh boy. I'm not guaranteeing it. No, I think you but should. But I will say that Dwayne Paul will have those boys ready because he's got coaching experience in the state tournament when he was at Lebo. Dwayne Paul will will have his boys ready to go. Trent Duffy will go off. You know, I cover uh Trent's uh, older brother Trey at Kansas Wesleyan. I expect Hayden to do something, and and Dwayne Paul, you know, a lot of people were not really, I'm not going to say really happy, or maybe some people weren't happy about the hiring of Dwayne Paul because he left Lebo and everything, but he's going to have those guys ready. I mean, okay, well, a quick tangent then, just because this got brought up, and then we can go to the matchup uh, you guys have for the girls. I mean, can somebody, what do you guys know uh, about Eudora? Because I can I can, I can, break down Hayden for you after four and, and their end of the season and how they're playing right now, but I, I just wanted to see if anybody could give me any insight on Eudora and obviously them being the top seed. The top Didn't they play team. Parsons in the sub-state uh, there, Sean? They played Lebec County in the oh, they they play County in their sub-state championship on, their, uh, on the boys' side. Uh, I know they have a very good post player. Um, apparently they hit nine three-pointers in the first half against Lebec County in their sub-state championship. So, uh, when I, my scout on that game going in was I thought it could be competitive. I thought if Lebec County delivered something special and Eudora had maybe a bit of an off day, there could have been an upset there. Uh, but Eudora quickly squashed that. I mean, you're, you're a team with, uh, some very salt with some height inside that can hit nine threes. That that's a good recipe. That's hard to beat, but I, I, They've played some teams tight that I just think if you're playing payola tight and your score, I want to pull up that score because that score was really had me believing that Labet County could pull off that upset because Labet County earlier in the year beat uh, payola by ten in a midseason tournament championship game, uh, but then late in the year, uh, payola or earlier in the year payola played Eudora and it was forty four to twenty eight, yeah. uh, wow. and so. I mean, just – Eudora has the chance to not be a very high-scoring team. Uh, and Paola was the three-seed on the east side, and I believe they got out of there. They're in the tournament, aren't they? Uh, they're on that 4A side. Yes, they are. They're the six-seed. And, they, I mean, so I, I think part – I think hate – I mean, I, I'll pencil that. I'm not going to be the guy that Sharpies Hayden in, but I'm definitely picking Hayden to beat Eudora. Well, I, I mean, just and to me, it wouldn't uh, again. Not that's why I kind of asked you guys about Eudora, just because I don't have a lot of knowledge on them. But kind of seeing where Hayden has kind of just evolved over the course of the season, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Like you look at the uh, very first game of the season, uh, they lose fifty-one to sixty in overtime to Highland Park, one of the best teams in in five A. Uh, they play them again close uh, in their second meeting. They lose by two on January twenty eighth. To end the season, they won one, two, three. They won four out of the last last five to end the season with a lone loss to Topeka West on a buzzer beater from Elijah Brooks. And then they obviously won a substate team. So now they won two more games in the substates. And that's just a team, you know. I went on about them kind of during during my substate rant when we were going over the teams and their potential, like. It, it, it's a team that doesn't have a superstar. I think their closest thing to be a, a superstar would be Joe Otting. He's getting a lot of D1 looks at the, at the, for football, but it kind of goes inside and out with him. You know, they, they jump it down to the post and the attention he attracts, whether it's teams kind of playing a zone and fronting him and overloading his side or doubling him right away. 
he's a guy that makes the right, you know, he'll get stripped a couple times here and there who, who, who wouldn't when they're facing those double and triple teams. But I'd say like nine times out of 10, he's getting the ball out of his hands a quickly and B making the right pass. Like you're getting Trent Duffy and you're getting Jake Muller, like a, two of these guys on the perimeter for them that are getting all these looks because of the fact that uh, Otting is kind of making that right decision and not letting the ball stick in his hands. And, you know, it's a team that kind of reminded me, and I think I might have mentioned it before on the Substate podcast. Like they remind me, and being from Michigan, they remind me of the 04 Pistons. Like they don't have a superstar necessarily, but the, they all play really good team ball. They all play really well together. And when you, what another thing that kind of just stuck out to me, Sean, when you mentioned uh, it, it could be a low scoring game, like that kind of plays to Hayden's strengths. They like to make it a down and dirty, gritty kind of game. Like they play man to man defense, something that you would like to. Um, and they just like to get right up in your face. You know, they, they, they'll pressure you and, you know, they're not, they're never sagging off the ball and letting them kind of like, you know, run their offense. They're in your face trying to like make the other team speed them up a little bit and get them out of their comfortability level. So, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see, you know, now hearing now a little bit more about Eudora, like that, that Hayden team is uh, definitely a team to watch, I think, and the boys for a bracket. The team to watch, in my opinion. Okay. Outside of, I, I think it's them. Uh, let me look at the bracket real quick. Uh, I mean, I think they'll end up meeting with Miage, and they'll meet, yeah. they'll meet up with Miage in that semifinal, and then I think Miage wins that one, and then I think Hayden. I think Hayden's taking third in the state tournament with their only loss coming to Miage. Okay. Um, and then kind of just getting now, now that we uh went mm-hmm. off that little tangent. Oh, we're gonna you guys talk about be, Southeast uh, and Nickerson. Yes, yeah, so on the girls' side. I appreciate you. You want me to go first, Billy? Go ahead, man. Well, the Southeast of Celine team, they had a goal of getting to the state tournament. They have a three-member senior class, and they have just been close in sub-state the last couple of years and whatnot, at least for as long as I've covered them since I've been here in Salina. But Carson Slaysner, who's going to be, end up being the number three all-time scorer in Southeast history, uh, she's trying to go out with a bang. She's not going to play collegiately uh they're facing a good Lynn team i believe one of their losses is the hugoton who's the three seed in 3a uh they're the five seeds southeast has been tested this year they have a win over they had a win over heston in their season opener however they lost to smoky valley the next game uh they have they have a loss to uh uh the number one seed in 2a sterling they have a win over Hugo Ten. Uh, their schedule has met multiple teams that they compete in in their league, the North Central Kansas Activities Association, but they just cleaned house in that league and and then just played uh, some tough competition outside their league. But uh, that Sterling tournament helps helped them out, and they lost in overtime to Sterling in the championship game, and then they beat Hugo Ten in the in the semifinal, I wouldn't be surprised if Southeast of Celine on the girls' side would upset Goodland. But knowing that good, both Goodland and Southeast have wins over Hugoton, who's the three seed, that's kind of a toss-up in my mind. And then, and then with the winner basically maybe getting Silver Lake, unless Cherryville uh, does something magical to pull off an upset in that one eight matchup. And then you look at the bottom half of the bracket, Nickerson's good with Ava Jones, Josie McLean, uh, you know, coach McLean's John McLean's leaving Nickerson at the end of this year, going to be the AD at HUD, Chai, 
And then Hewlett-Ten has got Milken Hamlin, a, a Wyoming commit. Uh, that three A, that three A field one through five is pretty good. And you can't count out a Santa Fe Trail team who's nineteen and four. It's a six seed. So, uh, but I, I like I, I like a Silver Lake Southeast matchup in the semis. And Billy, I, I, I like a I like a Nickerson Hewlett-Ten. And I think we'll see Southeast Hugo 10 in a third place game with uh, Nickerson and Silver Lake in that 3A girls title game. I, I just like, I, I think Nickerson wants to go out with a bang, especially with John McLean leaving uh, at the end of the year. And you know what? You t- you, that, you're, ex- you're exactly right. Uh, when we interviewed uh, McLean after they beat uh, Heston, who, by the way, if you didn't follow Heston girls this year, they're one of the most grittiest, toughest teams in 3A. And for them to beat Cheney, that's maybe they should be in the state tournament for that. But, you know, that 3A, we talked about it all here in, in the past podcast, how that 3A Nickerson tournament, sub-state tournament, was one of the toughest, if not the toughest in the state. But going back to McLean, you know, he, he teared up, actually, when uh, we asked him about how it felt to play his final game on Nickerson's home floor. And he teared up, and he's, he was just so proud of his girls. They've been so with through some ups and downs a lot this year. You wouldn't expect that from a team, you know, that's has one loss on the year, which was against Cheney. And uh, like I said, you wouldn't expect that, but you know, they overcame some stuff. They overcame an Ava Jones injury, which was uh, less severe than what we all thought. Uh, I don't know if you saw this either. She dropped 36 and 20 in the semifinal, which is just absurd. And then, in the sub-state final, she only has 12 because, you know what, Josie McLean has her best game of the year and scores 18 and hits three three-pointers in the third quarter and then goes four for four from the free-throw line to, to rally away from Heston. So they're playing their best mar- they're, they're playing their best basketball right now, and they're playing for a lot more. They're playing for their, their probably their last camaraderie together. They're playing, obviously, because McLean's leaving. That's a big part of it. Um, this will be the – the fifth time in the last six years they make the state tournament with two final fours. And so they got a lot to prove and it'll be a, it'll be a good first round matchup. Um, Five of those 16 total teams in the boys and girls three, a five of them are returning final four uh, teams. So that's a, that's a stacked field Uh, front neck and the other team in there front neck and Hugo tin are the returning final four girls side. So, there's should be pretty interesting. I, I like Nickerson's chances to make a final four. Frontenac upset a very good Eureka team in their sub-state championship game too. I think that's a on the girls' side. That's a that's a, that's an impressive squad. Uh, the CNC League here in Southeast Kansas, I think, top to bottom. When you look across all sports, I think the CNC League is generally considered the best in this region. Um, it's not one that I have a coverage team in, but uh, I, you know, I think it's a. Uh, you know, you look at Frontenac beating the uh, the Tri Valley League champions, uh, a team that was number five in uh, number five in the state at one point uh, in Class Three A. I, I think Frontenac is, is a tough team to beat. And they are. You're exactly right. Last year they were actually beating Cheney, who ended up to win, uh, going on to win the Three A state tar- uh, title, and uh, they were beating Cheney most of that game in the semifinals. Are uh, was the was no, it was a championship, pretty sure. No, they played Sabatha last year. My bad. In that semifinal game, they were up against Cheney, so you know that that's a for them to come back. And I'm sure they got some key players from that team this year, so 
there'll be a team to watch and uh, one team not to look um, away from. Any closing thoughts before we end this segment, fellas? I'm I'm good. Let, let, let's get to one and two way, which I think is uh, is uh, is. I think there's some loaded teams in the in those bottom classes. And Billy, you mentioned it. I'll I'll I'll, I'll kind of close this out on three A, but that three A boys is looking pretty good. You know, with Royal Valley, the obvious favorite, Heston, really good, Galena. At you got the one, two, and the three seeds with a combined sixty six and three, and then you got a southeast of Celine team who's won thirteen straight. They have a loss over Hugo Ten, who's the seventh seed. Osage City is pretty good this year, and that that boys side, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see Royal Valley and Heston in the final. Yep, for sure. Let's close that out. We'll take a quick break and break down the lower class schools: one A, two A, one A Division One, one A Division Two. Again, a lot of good stuff here. Tune in and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Connecticut Sports Podcast. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Gadet Kansas Sports Podcast. The final segment here on the podcast today before we get right into the state tournament starting on Wednesday across the state. We're going to dive into the 2A, 1A1, and 1A2 brackets. Uh, a lot of uh, interesting matchups. And there were some pretty tough sub-states. There's, there's a sub-state we may note that one of the best teams, the one seed in that in that uh, sub-state was 8-10. and 10. I'm not sure how that went, but there's a team in there with a – with a sub 500 record and we could probably look at those brackets later and see what it is, but some interesting stuff there, you know, Sean, you wanted to dive right on into this because there's some interesting matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start with the two, a girls side first. And I think that we're going to see a rematch of last year's state championship game, which was between Sterling and St. Mary's Colgan. They're the two undefeated teams. In the state and uh, class 2A on the girls' side right now, Sterling gets the one seed because they're 23 and 0. Colgan didn't get a full regular season schedule, so they're 21 and 0. Uh, Colgan probably definitely has the tougher first round game uh, with Garden Plain, but I think the biggest threat to Sterling will be Barine Academy, who I think gets by Blue uh, Valley Heights in the first round. Barine Academy and Sterling, a uh, chance to be a very, very competitive game. Barine Academy, met- I talked about. And they met, and they met uh, in the regular season at Marine, and uh, I think Sterling ended up winning by like somewhere between five and eight points, I believe. I'll I'll double yeah, check. I know, that, but go ahead and finish, Sean. I know Marine has a win over that same Eureka team that Frontenac beat to get to the state tournament in the three A level. I know Marine's a very competitive team. Uh, I think I I think St. Mary's Colgan wins the state championship, and maybe I'm showing some Southeast Kansas bias. I think head coach Abby Farabi has them rolling right now. Uh, Lily Brown and Lauren, and uh, let me make sure I get her name right. Uh, I know Lily Brown's a sophomore there. She's a fantastic uh, athlete. She's a long jump and triple jump specialist um, in track and field season. In fact, that's what she wants to go to college for is track. Uh, Lauren Torrance, a junior, another incredible talent for St. Mary's Colgan. This is a team that was not expected to make the state tournament a year ago. It made it to the state finals and really was very competitive with Sterling. And they bring virtually everybody back from that team. Uh, Sterling still staying undefeated. I, I, that's what I'm expecting. Um, on the boys' side uh, of Class 2A, 
Uh, you're seeing Valley Falls at 23 and 0. They're going to play the eight seed St. Mary's Colgan at 14 and 8. Colgan uh, beating an Erie team in the sub-state uh, semifinals. An Erie team that had been to two straight state tournaments had won two straight uh, Tri Valley League titles. Uh, I think that has the opportunity to potentially be a very competitive one-eight game. Uh, but I, I think uh, boys class 2A also has the capability uh, to be very wide open. Uh, it, it is a very balanced field. I know Hillsborough and St. Mary's have been uh, two of the better teams uh, in that bracket, in that class all year. And uh, you're seeing both of them in the bracket. Hillsborough getting the two seed at 22 and one. St. Mary's at 20 and three sitting at a four seed. Uh, I mean, you're sitting, you're talking about a, a, a bracket where five where five of the seeds have four or less losses i think that boys two a bracket could just be an all-out war and i did look sean uh sterling did beat Breen 44 39 on february 14th game played at Breen. so Ster- sterling and Breen, sterling and Breen on the girls side pretty good and and you can't count out Hills. You, yeah, yeah, in the semifinal matchup. And you can't count Hillsboro, who won it all in 2A on the boys' side last year. They still got Brecken Ratzliff, uh, who's a do-it-all point guard, and they still got pieces back, and uh, they should be uh, someone to keep an eye on. And like you mentioned, that 2A boys' field is wide open. That Ratzliff kid reminds me of Lavelle Ball. I don't know. I, I might be. I might be way off, but maybe. It's, maybe what? Which one? Lamelo. Okay. 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 Yeah, because the hair, and then he shoots really good, and he he was really crazy. Uh, in the Heston game, or in the second Heston game of the year, uh, after the tournament win by Hillsboro, he made a three to make it a three point game. And then Heston came down, I think missed it and made one. And then they hit another three. And then he had a three at the buzzer that made it a one-point game, but it didn't, it didn't count. And it was just like the most awkwardest step through with your defender on you. And he can shoot. But in my opinion, nobody's, nobody's touching Hillsboro, honestly. That's just my two cents there. I don't think anyone touches Hillsboro. They, they got height, size, strength, shooting. Deep, great defense. There, I don't think anyone's touching them. Um, I'll keep. I'll, I'll just keep talking while I'm talking about this. You know, one of my teams, uh, Pretty Prairie. This is the first time they make the state tournament since 2000, and this is probably one of their best wow, teams. Wow, what a what a yeah, what a what a drought. 22 years, good. 22 for them. years since the beginning of the since the beginning of the century, and again, good for them. Honestly, they overcame uh, of a a loss earlier in the year to Norwich, which was the first time they had seen them since last year's sub-state final. And uh, Coach Scott Gearing joked about me being there and me being a bad luck charm, but they ended up being beating Norwich in the Highway 54 championship and holding them to 19 points. And then they met each other in the sub-state final at Udall, and guess how many points they limited them to that time? 19. Uh, less. I might be totally wrong, but I think it's uh, 18 Oh, so their defense. One A Division One girls field, by the way. The top six seeds all have two or fewer losses. I mean, good, good heavens. See that? That one's a toss up too. That is a a, a clean field right there. Mm -hmm. I am I am all for that. And that that, like look at that the three and six game. There's three losses between the two. Like that is just crazy. 
So Dodge, Dodge City is going to be blessed there. Yeah. <laughs> I like the fighting, I'll mention. I like the fighting Chris Schmitz uh, in uh, 1A Division One on the boys' side. You've been saying the fighting... that since football. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> they're good, boss. I know. I know. But something I want to mention about 1A1, uh, the seven-seed Solomon making their first state appearance on the boys' boy side in 104 years. Ooh, I saw that from Scott Pass. In 104 years. Yeah. So I was talking. I I had an interview with Kyler Stein, uh, their boys coach, and uh, he he said he was thinking it like before they found out that Scott Pass had tweeted that little tournament nugget out. They thought it was the fir- school's first ever state appearance, but no, it's their second, but it's their first since 1918. So. Have a little story on that coming Jeez. up uh, on Salina.com uh, coming tomorrow night. And I actually got to see that Solomon team against El Celine in December, and they look good. They got a good point guard uh, by the last name of Hastings, who is a junior and surpassed 1,000 career points. And, yeah, I mean, I talked uh, more uh, more on that in my story about the Solomon boys. Um, you know, just about four, 14 What's up? What if there's anybody in the county that Solomon's in that even had that was alive that is 104 years old? (laughs) Is there anybody in Kansas that was there? (laughs) I mean, that would be a stretch. Wow, 104 years. Well, Sister Jean, the the chaplain for Loyola Chicago, she's 100 (laughs) 103, but. Sister, I got something for you guys real quick. It's not. It, it's for video, not audio. But uh, oh, 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 a sister Jean bobblehead. Sister Jean bobblehead. Awesome. Well, what? Well, and they're back in the tournament. Yeah, and they're back in the tournament. So, um, but yeah, I I thought I'd throw that in there, and but uh, obviously the favorite in one a one on the boys side is Opie. Uh, Chris Schmidt, they're trying to get back to back. They're trying to do what they did in football this year in 1A. Uh, but <laughs> they got a tough Troy team uh, to, to get through, who I believe is making their first state appearance since 98 from what I saw on Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, Dodge City, United Wireless Arena, got the Boot Hill Casino next door. Go gamble and then go watch some high school basketball. <laughs> Except you can't uh, bet on high school basketball. Be careful what you do, or else you'll end up like Calvin Ridley, right? <laughs> oh, I was just gonna. I was just gonna mention that. Uh, by the way, I just noticed this on the boys' class one A Division two uh, bracket. Central Plains is four and eighteen, and yes. they had one win going into substate. Yeah, and that's, that's the substate. Which, good I was for them. They earned their ticket. That, good for them. They earned their ticket, but. Holy century. cow, how, what a, what a, what a run to decide to put it together. Hey guys, we've won one game all year. Let's, let's, <laughs> I mean, for them, like I say too, I said at the top of the show that sometimes the scariest thing to face is a team that has no fear. And you think Central Plains is going in there on the boys 1A Division 2 side? You think they're going in to, ha- to face Hanover with any fear? No. Wow. But So they I, were. I think it's a. Do you want to know what seed they are? They were in that sub-state. They were the sixth oh, so they were dead last. They were the sixth seed. seed out of eight. They were one in 18, and they beat the one seed Central uh, Lost Springs Center, who was eight and 10 in the sub-state championship. Nobody in that yeah. sub-state had a winning record. Wow. 
Wow. It's astonishing. Good for them for... Uh, Honestly. Time, huh? That's why I, I mean, Chet mentioned, it at the top. Chet mentioned it at the top of the show, too. That's why I like the how 4A, 5A, and 6A do it with they split the state and they seed it one through whatever, however many teams uh, by record, and you earn a home game for your two or three substate games that you need to play. Uh, I just don't like the geographically based substate groupings because you see too many substates with maybe two or three state ranked teams in them, and two of them are being left out. And then you see too many substates like that one where maybe everybody has a losing record. I have no objection to I have no objection to a team like Central Plains being in the state tournament. But if Central Plains was in the state tournament and they did it in the four A or five A or six A matchup, they earned it. They wouldn't upset somebody to go get there. Yeah. So I I, I just I don't understand why Cache is not moving towards that in some of the bottom classes. I know travel's an issue with that, but I, I think you would see uh, I, I think you would see fields that are more representative of who the eight best teams are in the state for classification if they did it more like class four A, five A, and six A. Definitely, I and you're agree definitely with you. right. Yeah, you're definitely right. Just like we mentioned, I mentioned this a lot this year. The Nickerson Substate was stacked on the boys and girls side. Wichita Collegiate falling to Heston, Cheney Boys falling to Heston. Who that that could have been well a state championship game between Cheney and Heston. So yes, I don't know. Something's got to be done. I've thought about four regions, and I know that that word that that plan is out there somewhere on Twitter. It was mentioned about having four regions. Um, you may and that still was for have like che- three, two, and three and yeah. two A from what I saw on Twitter. Yeah, and even if you do regional stuff, you might even still have Cheney and Heston in the same region. Yeah. Uh, depending on how you slice the state, but you know, I, I want to mention one more team really quickly. Um, Central Don't Christian worry, and Hutchinson. Yeah. Go ahead. Don't worry, Case. That means Case is going to come up with something completely different that makes <laughs> barely any sense. If, right. If we're coming up with this really concise. Uh, plan that makes sense to us. <laughs> yeah. Cage is coming out with something completely off the wall. <laughs> I want to mention one more team really quickly. It's the since since Dylan likes to call it the Fighting Christmans, I'm gonna call it the Fighting DJ Kaufmans of there you uh, go. Hutchinson Central Christian. Uh, Central Christian's been really good. Uh, they've lost. They lost to Pretty Prairie. They lost to Berean really close. They've had a pretty stellar year. They're they're headed back to the state tournament for the first time in a couple years. They'll end up. Playing South Haven, a twenty and three team, just like Hutchinson Central Christian, in a tough four five game, uh, four p.m. Thursday, and they have a lot of good pieces there. They have an injured player, but you know Kaylee Kaufman has been one of the more talked about players in the Reno County area. She's a pure point guard. She's a pure shooter. She can hit big time shots. And the thing about that team is, Coach Kaufman told me they are so used to playing in close situations and tight games that if something good or bad happens, even if they make a thrilling shot to tie it up, they're stone cold and they, they know how they know what they're doing. So uh, I wish them the best of luck when they go to Barton community college, um, when they go play South Haven, uh, let's start with you, Sean, so we can close this out. Where are you going to be at and who uh, this, this, uh, this week and covering your stuff, your stuff. Uh, shameless plugs all around. So I'll start off with plugging my own show that I do. It's called The War Room on KLKC Radio. Uh, it's available online on Apple Podcasts and on our KLKC website as well. I need to get you all on the show. I've had uh, Chuck Cheney a couple times. Uh, I've had Chet Couplin on a couple times. Uh, I need to get you guys on that show. So there's my one shameless plug. 
the two teams that I will be directly covering in my coverage area are, like I mentioned at the top, the Labette County girls and the Cherryville girls. Uh, the Labette County girls, the state tournament is a mainstay for them. They've been six of the last eight years. And in the two years they didn't, they lost in the sub-state championship. They're a team that likes to win. Uh, and has some, and no, is very familiar with the environment. I think that game against Wamigo is going to be really exciting. Uh, it, gun to my head, I'll pick Wamigo to win that, but I think Labette County is certainly capable of doing it as well. And if they get out ahead early, that depth is really going to cause Wamigo a lot of problems. On the Cherry Hill side, uh, like I said, it'll take a very special game, but I know that community is really excited to watch the Cherry Hill girls go play. Uh, they're probably going to have a, a very strong fan base there. It was really loud in Fredonia watching the Cherryville girls in their sub-state championship game. Uh, even the, the, the Fredonia athletic director said he hadn't heard that loud of a crowd in a decade. So I know the Cherryville faithful is going to be going strong in Hutchinson. Uh, and then I'll give a shout-out, one more shout-out to the St. Mary Colgan's girls on the, on Class 2A. Uh, you know, Abby Farabi, a great coach, uh, is a friend of mine. Uh, as well. And I'll say this too, Abby Farabi and Kelsey Overacker, the Cherryville girls head coach, they were on the same staff together at Colgan at one point. Uh, so uh, you know, there's a tie there. Um, I know when uh, Cherryville played Galena in their sub-state semifinals, it was Abby Farabi that she pried uh, for game film on their league opponent between Colgan and Galena. So uh, a, a lot of exciting things going on. I'm glad, I always say I'm glad and blessed to get go to cover the state tournament. Uh, and I get, to, I get to watch two of them this year. So and if any of you guys need any help with any coverage, you just shoot me a text or a DM, and I'll and I'll do my best, whether it's in Salina or Hutchinson. Appreciate you. Uh, I think for me, I'm going to be on Wednesday. I, I think I can't. Uh, I have to go to five A. It's just that three for one opportunity there with uh, Speaker Seaman at two o'clock against uh, Mount Carmel, then Highland Park uh, following that against Mays, and then Speaker West against St. James at, at two, four, and six. Um, and then on Thursday, uh, I think if this conversation or this uh, podcast kind of swayed me, I think I'll be heading uh, to 4A to go see the uh, Hayden boys, see if they can uh, do the damn thing and pull off the upset of the, uh, the top seed there. And then uh, from there, it kind of gets a little funky just with uh, having seven speak area teams there. So kind of just playing it by ear for uh, um, Friday and Saturday and seeing uh, who advances after these first couple of days. You know where I'm going to be. Five A. That's a that's a no brainer for me. He's gonna be in Salinas. He's gonna cover Salinas Central, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But um, you know, I'll also be helping Seth out uh, if he's got other teams in the way. So, but maybe Seth, Seth, and I can do some cool things on Wednesday. We'll hang out with each other on uh, Wednesday, and maybe I'll shoot some photos for you on Wednesday. Maybe we, maybe I can, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I can help you out with some photos on Wednesday. Or maybe you could take them to Chili's too. So, uh, too bad Emporia doesn't have a Chili's, bro. Oh my gosh! How, why did you grow up? Why did? How did you? How did you? <laughs> how did you live? How did you survive? Parsons doesn't have any of that crap, including like <laughs> our, our biggest restaurant is. We have a we have a local place. We have local places that I love, but we don't. Well, have that's fine. We don't local have a, places. Well, I, that's what I'm going to be yeah. doing. I'm going to hit the local places that I missed, and so. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be at 5A. Billy's covering Southeast for me, and yep. uh, we're just yep. gonna go go from there and <clears throat> put our heads together and try to get through this week. Yep, should be fine. I'll, I'll definitely start off my coverage. Uh, I'm probably gonna head to Bueller, uh, the town of Bueller, because they'll have a send off for their boys team, and then I'll be there for Bueller Mac Part Three. 
unbelievable how it's part three. So that would be at 2 o'clock at Salinas Tony's Pizza Event Center. Then I'll race back down to Hutchinson for Nickerson Frontenac. And uh, I'll also be covering Heston on Wednesday as well. So don't forget that. And then obviously we'll plan out and see how Friday and Saturday goes. But should be fun. Hutchinson Sports Arena is, is going to be open. I'm sure there's some other places that are going to be more open in capacity this year with COVID cases down a lot more. I know in Reno County there's only 18 active cases which is crazy after the month of February that we had with the kind of little bit of a surge and a rise in cases. But um, even with the Juco tournament coming here, that place is going to be packed uh, with the ticket sales uh, mostly being sold out uh, last that I saw. So should be a fun week. You know, you can follow us on all in our Twitters at Dia Sherwood SJ on Twitter at Seth Kinker at Billy Watson 4L and Sean's is I am at Sean E Fry S E A N E F R Y E on Twitter and you can also follow the Parson Sun at Parson Sun. Uh, you can uh, and I'm sure there's a million other ways you can go follow me. I appreciate you guys having me on here and uh, I'm sure I'll be running into some if not all of you over the course of the week and I uh, plugged my show a few minutes ago and I said you guys have open doors uh, to come on anytime you want. Hell yeah. And I Should think, be fun. I said, thank you for having me as well. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll see uh, if so. Uh, since I probably won't see you, I'll probably see you at State Track. Oh, yeah. everyone, everyone, Everybody everyone in their mom's going to be there. That is the. I, I've always considered we need to have like a. Uh, I, I thought about trying to organize one of these days. It would take months of planning, but there should be like not necessarily a convention, but all the sports writers should have some sort of meeting, whether it's just at a bar or something like that, and and meet up at the state track event and you know talk about issues that we're facing at all our papers and try to get some coordination in there. And I think that could help coverage across the state. And you know what? Yeah. Another thing that's going to be happening is I'm playing Seth one-on-one in basketball. It's either one-on-one or horse. We're trying to figure out a venue too, but that's supposed to be happening <laughs> around state track time too because uh, we had shared a couple of videos about Just basketball. do it in Coco right there. We'll, we'll, that's what we'll I was going to ask. I'm, I'm going to ask Brian Holmgren if we can. Yeah, go ask Holmgren. <laughs> <laughs> but there you have it. Get, we get, appreciate your, it. Yeah. get, get, get your wristband and uh, – and then uh, ask him, hey, can we go inside and play horse when we got when it's raining? Yeah, and aftershocks won't be going until J- June or July, so should the Coke Arena should be wow. uh, open. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to have to be catching that a little bit uh, with my girlfriend uh, being a, a Wichita State alum. So, But I've seen a couple of Give WSU games, games with her. Give so. me Seth in that, and I'm just, I'm just picking Seth just – I'm gonna ride with my guy. Give me Seth. Wow. There you go. Oh, oh, wow. Man, right. I have to go with Billy. All right, that's gonna close it out. The Gannett Kansas Sports Podcast. Thank you to our guests, Chet Couplet of Sports in Kansas and Sean Fry, the Parsons Son and Shane Trivia for Dylan and Seth and Billy Watson and myself. Thank you for listening. We'll see you at the games.